0: Amen. Thank you so much, Neil. And thank you to Jenna and the worship team for leading us. Counted again a great privilege to, to be here. Um, I feel deeply connected to drop In, to Neil, to Grace Community, to everything that's going on here. And I have done my whole Christian life. So praise God. And I love the heart with which Neil is sharing. And it very much will speak into some of what we're looking at this morning so we're, we're continuing with the, the great theme that you guys have been looking at why bother why bother and I want to focus in on church this morning why should we bother with church and I got to thinking about this and I've got a few slides to start us off are we okay with that a few slides to start us off now these are meant to give us reasons as to why we should bother with church we're going to fire up the first slide there please Robin thank you Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. I don't think it was meant to mean how we're reading it. The next sign is the Baptist church. Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It is hot where you're going. (laughs) Full of grace and truth. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe not. Next sign. Honk if you love Jesus. Text while driving if you want to meet him. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the next one there, sin burn is prevented by sunscreen. could see that. Do you get that okay? It's just not funny, is it? Yeah. So. Okay, next one, and uh, I think Neil liked like this one, tweet others as you would like to be tweeted. Is that something that you're going to do out the front, have a sign, and uh, you could have somebody on that putting statements and f- phrases up? I wonder if we were to, thanks very much, guys, if we were to ask people, just random people out in the street today, sometime today, you would to stop someone and you would ask them, what do you think of church? Anybody, a- anybody that you meet, just ask them, what do you think of church? You would get an absolute range of responses, wouldn't you? You'd get some people who would love church. You'd get some people who would really not love church. You would get some people, I, I read a, a statement the other day that said that. Church is the, or religion is the bane on Northern Ireland. You've got people who think like that. You've got people who have been hurt in church. You've got people who have lots of different areas and issues that they have with church. And people usually speak from a perception, from something they've heard that might not even be true, or from an experience. But what actually is the church? And that's what I want us to focus in on this morning, because the church is glorious, the church is beautiful, and and more than that, the one who set up and established the church, and Neil prayed it, Jesus is the reason for the church, and Jesus, I want us to capture afresh who he is this morning, and be inspired, motivated, changed, and, and totally set on fire by who he is this morning, he is behind the church. So if you've got a Bible with with you, please turn with me. I can nearly speak this morning to Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read from verses 13 through to 18. And this is actually the first time in the New Testament where the word church is mentioned. And it is mentioned by Jesus. So Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Praise God. Amen. Amen. All right, um, we're going to pray, and then I just want to throw something up to explain the passage, and we can miss it as we read over it, but it's, it's incredible. Wait, wait till you see let but let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, God, and we thank you for Jesus today. We thank you that he is the reason why we are here. He is the reason why we have hope. We thank you that there is great power in the name of Jesus we pray this morning that your power would be here among us. Lord, you know exactly where each one of us is at. You know where we are. You know who we are. You know everything about us. God, I pray that you would meet each of us at the point of our need. And in my weakness, that you would speak through these words, God, that you would get the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I had the privilege of visiting the site of Philippi where Jesus was speaking to his disciples. I'm going to pull up a first picture from that. So if you can picture yourself in this spot, and you can show the other two and then flick back to the first one. So this is basically the same cliff. You'll notice the hole in the middle. There's another one. Yeah, but we can stay there. So if you can imagine that Jesus is speaking and you're the disciples looking at this cliff face and that particular hole. This was the scene that the disciples found themselves in in this passage of scripture where Jesus was explaining to them the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that Jesus is building. Now, just for some context, this particular area and this hole in the middle is actually known as and was known as the gates of hell. That's what that is. And what they used to do there, the word panic in English, way back in first century and, and, and before that, they used to sacrifice into that hole in the cave to keep the God of Pan away, where our word panic comes from, God of fear, panic. And so what would have happened throughout centuries was those who didn't serve and love Jesus or the Father who served other gods or tried to appease other gods used to sacrifice animals down this hole, and at times, for a period of time, they even used to ch- sacrifice children down this hole to appease the God of Pan, that he wouldn't come up from hell or the gates of hell and come out and cause panic and fear and destruction and chaos. So this is the context to which Jesus is speaking to his disciples. I will build my church and the gates of hell, all of the fear, all of the destruction, all of the things that people are scared about, the biggest thing of that day and in that time will not overcome the church that Jesus is building. So it gives a wee bit more context to what Jesus is actually saying. This is the passage, the first mention of the church, that nothing will overcome the church. Isn't that something to rejoice in? Isn't that something to be standing firm in this morning? Jesus states that he is building his church. He has been building his church. He will continue to build his church, and his church will prevail. Now, as we think about the church and all of the things that are said about church, remember that in your mind and have that as a principle in your heart. So what does the word church actually mean? So the word Ecclesia Church actually means called out or called to. So you've been called out of something and called to something. In the Bible, it explains that a Christian, when you become a Christian, when you're born again, when you're washed in the blood of Jesus, when you've been forgiven of your sins and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, that you have been called out of darkness, the kingdom of darkness that is ruled by hell and Satan and all of the host of hell. You've been called out of darkness and you have been brought into the kingdom of light. Again, we rejoice in that. The church is a people who have been called forth from darkness into light. That is your status, no matter how you feel this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus, that is your status in the heavenlies. That's how God sees you. Christians have been called out of darkness into light. And that, that group of people, the church, is made up of every tongue, nation, and tribe. Isn't that amazing? That right around the world, this message is preached, and, and people's hearts are being impacted, and lives being changed for all of eternity. And you can sit secure this morning, regardless of what your bank balance looks like, regardless of what your status looks like in life, regardless of what difficulties you're going through. You can sit secure this morning, knowing that you are part of God's church, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. And that is the most important thing. That is the most important place that you can be in life. The word church does not refer to a building. It refers to a group of people. You are the church. The people of God are the church. When someone responds to God's calling, they become the church. And it is glorious in her collective state of a group of very, very diverse people from very different backgrounds who have been changed by the gospel of Jesus. He is our foundation. Now, the Bible has so much to say about church, and we could spend so much time on so many different areas. But what I want to do this morning is to mention three of those areas that I feel are important and really quickly, and then to focus on one that I believe... we can invest our lives in for the rest of our lives, and I know it's the heart of Neil and the rest of the leadership team here, and indeed, all of those who gather here to carry out where we're going to go this morning. Um, so the first thing I want us to think about it and say, the first three will be quickly, so don't be thinking you're going to be here for a very long time. Um, the church, and we've said it already, the church is being established by Jesus, has been established by Jesus, and is being built by Jesus, Now part of Jesus building his church, as we've looked at this passage already, is the saints, is us, is his people being equipped through the word of God, through fellowship with one another and through prayer and through action. In Acts 2 verse 42 it said, they devoted themselves, this is the early church, to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, I know David preached on that um, a number of weeks ago, and prayers. The reality is this, we need each other. We need each other, we do. We cannot, we should not, we are not expected to do Christianity alone. It's not how it's meant to work. In fact, Hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. In other words, come to fellowship gatherings like this this morning, as is the habit of some who, who neglect to meet together, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the final day approaching, that day when God will return and take his church. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I need to say it. When we're thinking about gathering, we're thinking about meeting, when we're thinking about fellowship, when we're thinking about all of this stuff that happens on usually on a Sunday morning for, for us on a Sunday evening, the church is not perfect, is it? Why? Because we're in it. <laughs> Because we're part of the church. And although we are saved, although we are heading to heaven, we have not been perfected yet. There's still work to do in each of our hearts. There's still work to do, a lot of work to do in me anyway. And if if you're able enough to admit that, there's work to do in all of us. And in church, we preach about and we teach about and we try and we strive towards working out the Word of God. in in encouraging one another, in loving one another, in forgiving one another, in providing justice for each other. Church should be a place of safety, a place of wholeness. And while we strive for those things, and one day in heaven those things will be perfected in us, and we will live in those things without a second thought, we are still on earth and there's still work happening within us. And we're not perfect. And what I'm saying is the church or people in the church make mistakes at times. I have made mistakes. I have done things that have hurt people without even realizing it. And we need to own that this morning. And we need to realize that, that when we come together, the church is not by any means perfect while we strive for all of the good things in the Bible. Because what can happen in churches, people do get deeply hurt by something that's said, by something that's not said, by something that's done, by something that's maybe not done a place of safety or where somebody needs healing and they felt neglect or they felt left out or they felt overlooked or whatever the case might be for you. They've been judged, they've been let down. And what can happen then is a believer can leave either a church, a local church, or they can leave the church completely and say, I love Jesus, but I don't love his people. And again, whilst I do not downplay any hurt at all because I know hurt is real, I know some of the experience that even probably in this room that you've had with church Israel um, in the past with wherever that might be. We need to realize this morning that Jesus is building his church. He deeply, deeply loves the church. And I'm sorry if you've been hurt in the context of a church setting. It hasn't been Jesus hurting you. It's probably been someone else one or two other people, and then we say, oh, the church did this or the church did that. We need to be mature enough, and I say this to myself, to realize, yep, we're not perfect. Somebody may have intentionally even hurt me within church, but I'm going to choose to forgive, I'm going to choose to love, and I actually want to obey the Word of God and be part of a local gathering, not neglecting to meet together. I'm going to work through it, as a good family does, so what church is. It's family. It called out people from different backgrounds. We're going to work through it. And there may be a situation where you can't stay in a local setting where you used to be, and that's okay. But don't totally diss church. Jesus loves the church, and he wants you to be part of a church and fellowship in a church. And I know there is so much more that I could say around that, but we do not have the time this morning. So what I'm saying is be careful about how we speak about the church. It's Jesus' church. He loves it. He died for it and he is building it and it will overcome. And if you need to speak any more around that this morning, please do come and see me. I would love to chat to you about that. Maybe hurts from the past, pray for you, whatever that looks like for you. But the church is God's warts and all. It has a long way to go, but he is building it. Number two, the church is the people of God, it's you. It's not a building, it's not a location, It's not a place that we meet in on a Sunday morning. It is you. You are part of the church. And two things from this. As a member of God's church, and I don't mean a local body, I mean the church worldwide universal. You as an individual have the Holy Spirit living in you. You are the temple of God. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God actually dwells in your life. Isn't that incredible to think that? That you have that connection and that closeness with God. But not only that, the church is a living body. So not only do you have God living in you, you are part of a living body. Romans 12 verse 4 and 5 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ, and individually members, get this, of one another. So we are connected to one another through the cross of Jesus Christ. That, that's just fact. That is biblical truth. There is one church made up of one body and whilst you have an individual faith with God, your faith is much bigger than that because you're connected to others around you. You're connected to the church. There are no lone rangers. We were saved to a body of believers and part of being saved to a body of believers is serving one another, is loving for one another, is caring for one another. And that's what, I do love that about this fellowship. It's not one person at the front does everything and expected to do everything. And if something isn't done, that person is blamed. You're all, and I know this because I've seen it, are very good at caring for one another. That's how it should be. Because as part of the body of Christ, just like a body has all different parts, the finger doesn't do what the mouth does, the leg doesn't do what an arm does, you are all part of the body with unique and special gifting to serve the local church and to serve in the community and to serve one another. The Holy Spirit dwells in you and you're part of this incredible body. Number three, I said I was going to run through these real quick, the church is the bride of Christ. In this mysterious, beautiful picture and reality, the church is the bride of Christ and He has such love for His church, for His people, for you as an individual. The Bible makes reference to the church being the bride of Christ in several places. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Jesus gave Himself for her that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So God is preparing us as a bride, His bride. Um, In John chapter 14, there's also a little bit of context around that. When Jesus speaks about going to prepare a place, to prepare a, a place in His Father's house and He's going to come back again, In the days that that was spoken, that's what would have been said to um, an engaged, a man would have said to his engaged wife, he would have said, I I will go and I will add an addition on to my father's house. I will build a house for us. And when it's done, I will come back and I will get you and we will go and live in that house. And, And so God is saying that whilst he's preparing us, he's preparing a place for us to go. And on the day of resurrection, when God comes back again, for the church. The Bible says that there will be a marriage supper of the Lamb. There is literally going to be a marrying, and that will be a uniting of the church and Jesus Christ for all eternity. We will see Him, we will be like Him, we will be perfected in our faith, and we will be all of the things that we desire to be from the Word of God and to experience in Jesus, we will have in fullness for all eternity. So there is a marriage coming, and the church and those, this body and this people and not only this body, but everybody that body that meets faithfully following Jesus and carrying out His word will be part of this marriage to Jesus for all of eternity. So I think there's three really good reasons to be bothered with the church already, right? Three things to look forward to as well. The church is literally the bride of Christ. So we've looked at those three things. Church is being built by Jesus and will overcome. the church is the body of Christ. We are connected to one another, gifted very uniquely, and especially every single one of you has been gifted from God, and the church is also the bride of Christ. And for the remainder of our time, and if those three things aren't enough, I want us to focus on one incredible reason why we can be part of the church, why we are to be part of the church, why we can wake up in the morning and jump out of bed with passion and excitement because of what? God has in store for the church. And it's simply this, the church is on mission. The church is on mission. And I know again that this is deeply connected here with the leadership, with the word family on mission. It's exactly what the Bible speaks of. The church is a family and it is on mission. And the mission has been given by God. In recent years, um, companies have picked up this idea of having a mission statement. If you look up companies online, they have goals, they have targets. At university, uh, you are taught in management and in business to create a mission statement for your business so you know what you're aiming for and you can put objectives in place to hit targets, to hit goals. A mission statement is important. I don't know if you know, um, Disney's mission statement is, we create happiness by providing the finest entertainment for people of all ages, everywhere sounds good. Facebook has a mission. Facebook's mission is to give people the power to share and make the world more open and connected. It certainly has done that, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. McDonald's has a mission, and Braden's not here this morning, but he works at McDonald's. McDonald's vision is to be the world's best quick service restaurant experience. Being the best means providing outstanding quality, service, cleanliness, and value So that we make every customer in every restaurant smile. You just need to set a big mark in front of me and I will definitely be smiling anyway. (laughs) What I find brilliant is the Bible has a mission statement. And it it figured this out way before companies figured it out. It figured it out way before degrees taught. So it figured it out before business gurus thought it was a good idea to put mission statements in place. So what is the mission of the church? What have you been called out of? Because God, God just doesn't call you out of something. He calls you to something. He calls you to mission. Well, a mission implies two things, being sent I don't know if you consider yourself as being sent by God, but you are being sent and having a task given. The mission is clear in the Bible. It can be found in three different passages, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20, Luke 24, verses 49, 44 to 49, Mark 13, verses 10. The mission that we are given to fulfill is this, and you probably know these words very well. Then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee. To the mountain to which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew chapter 28. Mark 13 verse 10 says, the gospel must be preached to all of the nations. Romans 1 verse 16, Paul writing said, for I am not ashamed. And these words have never been more apt than the day and age that we live in and how in so many ways what we believe and stand for is, is nearly suppressed out in society and so many different platforms. Paul and we as a church, we say this morning, I am not ashamed, not in any arrogant way because the gospel has the power to save lives. So I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek The gospel means the good news. We have good news, the act of proclamation, the work of evangelism, the content of the message of salvation, and the wider gospel remit. It's the good news that God is going to remake our world, and all the promises that God has said to His people will come to pass. The body will be resurrected, the transformation of the world, the establishment of God's kingdom. It's all part of the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank God. Literally, the world is not going to stay the way it is. Jesus' kingdom will prevail, and His church is a vehicle for the kingdom into this world at this time. Our mission as the people of God, just like Jesus when He came to this earth, is to be full of grace and to be full of truth. To be full of both When we're carrying the gospel, to making disciples, to seeing people baptized, to teaching people truth, to to teaching ourselves and having truth taught to ourselves as Jesus commanded. And praise God, this mission that is designated for the church, it is not a duty. It is a delight for us. It's not a chore. It is a can. It is not a hassle, but it is a highlight for us. We have the privilege of carrying the greatest news that this world has ever heard. We are the carriers of this message and we have the privilege of bringing it into people's hearts and into people's lives. You, you have that that calling upon your life, you have that grace upon your life, and you have that privilege of doing this. We get to do this. We get to bring the good news of Jesus to the world. And I know in the world we live in, there are so many different ways to do that. And the workplace can be a difficult place at times with restrictions put upon you and policies and all that kind of stuff. But God has a way in every situation for you to be the light of the world. You carry truth, you carry it. Jesus speaks these amazing words in chapter 28, verse 18. And he says as we've read it already. The authority, all authority has been given to me, Jesus speaking, in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to Jesus through his death, through his resurrection, through his sacrifice. All authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth from the Father. And so when you speak in his name, that authority is carried into the conversation. Um, Recently, well, not so much recently, a while back I was asked to go and collect a prescription from uh, the the pharmacist for one of my parents. And if I had walked in there and said here, give us a prescription there, um, do you think I would have got it? Just anybody's prescription? Absolutely not. But because I went in and used the name of my father who needed the prescription at this time. I said, I'm here to collect the prescription, named his name, in the authority of naming his name. They said, no problem, and they gave it over. Really simple example. When you speak in the name of Jesus under the anointing of God and you're sharing truth and grace and truth, God transfers his authority upon those words transfer is maybe not the good word for that, but all authority has been given and is expressed through His word into people's lives and into situations through you. So you are a carrier of the presence and the authority of Jesus through the words of Jesus. And we pray on this authority when we pray in the name of Jesus. We want to act out this authority on earth as well. Jesus doesn't give His authority to anybody but to His church, to His people, Are we we tracking okay with this? Some people are looking at me and say, what are you talking about? (laughs) You have authority to speak from the word of God, not on your own standing, not because of how good a speaker you are, not because of how gifted you are or anything like that. You speak and you hear the things of God from his word and you have authority on that basis an anointing on your words in that basis. Not everybody will listen. Not everybody wants to listen, and that's okay for them. But we want, as the church of God, to speak in the authority of Jesus and to operate in the power that he gives. Jesus said again to his disciples As the Father has sent me, so I send you. You've been sent with the backing of the Father, the backing of Jesus. And on the basis of this authority, Because you are sent, he has equipped you. He has equipped you for everything that you will need in this world. He has equipped you for every conversation that might come your way. You don't need to be afraid of of what happens when you begin to chat to someone or when you go out into the streets and and, and do work as we're doing in, in the town here. Whatever it looks like, God equips you to go and to make disciples. The emphasis in this going and making disciples passage is on the making disciples, is on investing in people, is teaching people, is operating in people's lives. But let's not forget the going part. It is our calling and our mission to go. Our mission is not done across the world and for most of us across the street, across the road, to the next door neighbor's house, making contact, building relationship, investing in people, My prayer is that I and that his church would never become static. That we would never get so comfortable that we would just stop. But that we would be so passionate for Jesus because he's the reason for all of this. That this message that we have would just be too good not to share with those who do not know him. Church, you have been called from your old life. You've been taken out of it You've been taken from a path that led to a lost eternity. And you've been put on the path of life leading to the presence of Jesus and heaven forevermore. That is good news to share with people. And what have you got? What have you got to share? You have your testimony. Nobody can argue with your testimony. Nobody can argue with what God has done in your life. Nobody can argue with your experience of God's grace and God's love and how He totally transformed your life and your heart. There may be arguments presented out there or things that you feel you don't want to engage in, but nobody can deny or take away what God has done in your life, the testimony that God has given you. The truth is we could lock ourselves away from this nasty old world. We could talk about how bad it is over cups of tea We don't want to settle for that, do we? We don't want to settle for that. We've got our ticket to heaven, we're gonna sit back. No, we've been called to be fishers of men and women, not keepers of an aquarium. That is the calling and God's gifting upon your life. We are on mission, we've been commissioned by the Lord of hosts. And the reality is, and you'll hear it from John um, coming to the permit, and he's coming, isn't that right? Still to come. John has been doing incredible work just stepping out on God's leading and seeing amazing things done around this island. If, if you can, don't miss that evening because as you step out for God, you'll see that he steps up for you. As you step out for God, you'll see that he comes through for you. As you step out in faith, you'll see doors opened under his leading and you'll see incredible things happen in his name, on his authority. Jesus replied, If anybody loves me, He will obey my teaching. My father will love him. We will come to him and we will make our home with him. As we outwork the word of God in our lives, he works inwardly in us, making us more like him. As we step into what he has, as we step into obedience to his word, that's when he begins to work in us as well. Sometimes we feel, oh, I need to get it all sorted out in me first. I need to get it all sorted out in me first before I go and, and step out and do something for God. Well, here's the truth. You're never going to get it all sorted out in you. I'm never going to get it all sorted out in me. But part of this process of Christianity and part of this mission is actually stepping out and obeying simply what God has called you to do. And God will equip your lack. And in your weakness, he will show himself strong. He will on this mission. Coming to a close, Jesus is building His church. We are the body of Christ, we are the bride of Christ, and church, we have been given. We have been given the greatest mission in all of the world, the greatest mission. Companies have mission statements, what? To make profit margins, for what? Can't take anything with you. We have the greatest mission where we can see men, women, boys and girls' lives transformed forever, forever. You could be speaking to people now if you plant the seed, or maybe you're at the end where the seed's been planted and you lead them to Jesus, and you will see that person in eternity. We have the greatest mission, the greatest news, and don't let anybody or anything downplay that or take that away from you. It is biblical truth, and it is good, and He is good. Church is not a building, although the building is good. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs are important to a church. Church is not Sunday, although we don't want to forsake meeting together. Church is not the kingdom, but God's vehicle through bringing the kingdom into the world. Church is not the ministries it has or is involved in, however these are essential. Church is not something we attend each week, but something that we are. Church is not something you're sitting through right now. You are The church, the church is you. Take the building away, take all of this away, take the lights, the sound, everything away. The church still exists because the church is God's people and you are God's people. And I believe that God's church is to be a church without walls. We're sat on here and we're quite glad for a roof today considering the rain outside, but we want to be a church without walls, a church that is deployed into community, a church that is deployed into workplaces, a church that is deployed into society, carrying this incredible message, being full of grace and full of truth. And my prayer for me and my prayer for you is that that passion for Jesus and that passion for God's word will be stirred in our hearts again I want to read you a couple of quotes from people, uh, men of God from the past, and this is, this is how seriously they took this mission. This is not to make you feel bad. This is to inspire you. David Brainerd said, I cared not how I lived or what hardships I went through so that I could but gain souls for Christ. While I was asleep, I dreamed of these things. When was the last time I dreamt or you dreamt of leading someone to Jesus. And when I awoke, the first thing I thought of was this great work. John Knox said, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Such was his passion. Praying, John Hyde said, Father, give me these souls or I die. Samuel Hedy about New York City said, God, the sin of this city is breaking my heart. George Whitfield, Lord, give me these souls or take my soul. Such was the passion that they had such as the passion we will have as we spend more and more time with him. And sit at his feet and ask him what's on his heart and ask him who's on his heart. It's not a question of whether we've been sent this morning, church. It's a question of who we've been sent to. We have been sent, every one of us. Praise God. Man's greatest need is still Jesus Christ. And that is the mission, the mandate, the message that we carry, carry. And it is our job, therefore, to go into this world, to make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. I wonder, could we do something this morning? I wonder, could we stand to our feet? Before I hand back over to um, Neil and the guys, I wonder, could the worship team come and, and play something in the background? The mission and and all of this, it would be no good, it would go nowhere if it wasn't for Jesus. He is our motivator. He is our inspiration. He is the lover of our souls. He is God. He is the one that is with us. He is the one that equips us. He is the one that provides for us. He is everything to us and for us. And I simply want to read something. This morning, it's contained God's truth. It's, it's something that's just been written down. It's all verses about Jesus. And I want this to lift your heart. Because I, I don't know where each of you are today. I don't know what is going on in your life. There's maybe people here, and no doubt in a, a room this size, there's heaviness on you, there's difficulty in your life. And when you think about mission, your mission is just getting up this morning. I want you to know that God is for you, that God is with you, and every season that God is faithful, even when it seems like He's forgotten you, He has not. He is true, He is real, He is here, He is with you. I wonder could we close our eyes as I read these words and then I'm going to pray and the guys are going to lead us in some worship. In Revelation Jesus says, "I am the Alpha." And the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. I had the first word as this world began, and I will have the last. I am the beginning and the end, I am the first and the last, I am over all, and I am in all. I am He who is, who was, and who is to come, I am the Almighty, I am risen. I have conquered, I am alive. I am your savior and no man, no demon, no devil can keep you from me. No problem, no situation, nobody can separate you from my love. I died that you might know me, live that you might experience me and I'm coming again that you will be with me forever. I am for you and not against you. I have done everything I can for you to know me, hallelujah. Death could not hold me. Sin did not defeat me or defile me. Instead, I have overcome. I am victorious. I am your God. I am here to meet you. It is I who have taken up residence in you. So lay aside every weight that hinders and every sin that entangles. Cast off all restraint and restriction and open up your heart to the greatest, most powerful, to the supreme, extravagant, all-knowing, all-seeing, almighty one. For the cross did not stop Christianity, it started it. The tomb did not put an end to Jesus, it gave an opportunity for him to show his glory and prove that he is powerful God. Now and forever he reigns. Now and forever he is glorified. Now and forever he has the final say. Hallelujah, let's praise him. Praise you God. We worship you, God. You are worthy, God. Lord, we thank you, God, for all that you've done for us. We thank you for this local body of believers who love you. We thank you, God, that you are doing a work in this place. And we thank you that you have a work to do in Rich Hill. And you are using your people, Father. And I pray for your blessing and your anointing, God, upon every life and every heart in this place. God, your word says that we are the light of the world. God, I pray that we would be proclamations of the light that you have put within us, that when people see us on good days, in bad days, they could tell that your presence is on us because we are yours. We have been bought by you. We are part of your family. We are part of one another. And God, I pray for anybody feeling alone today, that your presence would draw so close and uplift that they would be reminded of the warmth of your love covering each one today. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. You are powerful. We thank you. You are overall. We give you all of the glory in the name of Jesus. We thank you. You're building your church and nothing will overcome it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.